This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Ordinarily, this would be bonus scoop with uh, our guy Darren Doogie Wilson from Channel 5 Eyewitness News and Scoop fame, but forget about that. Mackie in meetings today corporate hat on and so guess what this becomes Mackie and Judd this becomes the big time the pressure on this show is huge we're talking fourth and eight last seconds of the Giants playoff game with Darren in the shoes of Kirk Cousins and we're hoping he doesn't check it down it's Judd it's Declan it's Dukes Tell me you're going to drive the ball down the field and provide scoops that are going to knock me out of my slippers that I'm currently wearing. Well, no guarantees, Judd, but I'd rather be in the shoes of one Justin Jefferson. Just throw me the dang ball. I don't care if I've got multiple defenders on me. Did you see me in mid-November in Buffalo? Actually, Orchard Park. Just give me a chance. So I'd rather be Jefferson plus the payday that's about to come, whether it's <laughs> nice. for the season or next season, not that Cousins is making chump change, but the contract that Justin Jefferson will soon sign, put me in those shoes over Kirk's. I cannot wait, and this will probably do transpire at the Combine next week, or it might. I cannot wait till the numbers start to get out of what he's asking for. I, I have been told it's going to knock people's socks off, and that's from a guy who deserves it. So I'm not even arguing it. Uh, but I am hearing rumblings that um, he's not just going to want to be the highest paid receiver in the National Football League, but it's going to be substantial. And w- the pushback I get is, he's a great kid, never shown you anything that would lead you to believe, okay, when we're talking about a man's money, he might be a great kid. In fact, I think he is a good kid. He's going to ask for the basically the world and i don't blame him so i'm very excited as the combine approaches when we start to get wind from a Schefter or from you know a rapaport of what the asking price on the jefferson payday is going to be great kid i mean the work he does in new orleans the way he gives back helped build a playground last year continues to do all sorts of work that a lot of people don't even know about in terms of giving back so unbelievable kid But it's a finite window, such a tiny window for these guys to maximize their earning potential. Judd, you are spot on. We are talking about demands that will exceed anything that a non-quarterback has made, right? So he wants to be, what I'm getting at is, what he wants to become is the highest paid non-quarterback. So that would include pass rushers, tackles, go up and down the line of every other position group. He wants to be the highest paid non-quarterback. And in the end, the contract would exceed the money that some quarterbacks are making. Certainly not all, but that's the sort of money he is looking for. All right. Uh, we'll we'll uh, certainly get back to Vikings during the course of this scoop session, but actually want to get to what's going on 
in Fort Myers. Twins have started spring training. Pitchers, catchers, and position players are all now there, as are a couple of your colleagues from Channel 5. What can you tell us about uh, what's transpiring in a place where it's nice and warm, a place where there's no snow on the ground? As we think baseball, we're about to be hit, of course, by, uh, let's just say, 25 inches of snow. What can you fill us in on? Yeah, I mean, funny how that works, right? Joe Schmidt, like year after year. I mean, it's good to be Joe, right? It's good to be the king. It's good to be the sports director. Year after year, Joe gets the Fort Myers trip. Alec Osmus does fantastic work on air. Plus, he's a very skilled photographer, so Joe needed somebody to shoot video. I don't shoot video. I don't have that skill set, so Alec is down there as well. So be sure to follow them on social media. We're putting a bunch of video up on KSTP.com, the sports page. Plus, Joe will be all over the 5, 6, 9, 10 o'clock news, 9 o'clock on Channel 45, 5, 6, and 10 on Channel 5 here in the Twin Cities. But, yeah, just going back and forth with them this morning, the Twins lined up in what presumably will be their opening day defensive look. So that means Joey Gallo in left field, Alex Kirilov at first base. Now, Austin Martin was at second base because Jorge Polanco, slow buildup. Remember the knee injury that sidelined him for the final, what, five or six weeks of the season. So it's a slow buildup for Polanco, slow buildup with Buxton, Heck, even with Kirilov in terms of his swinging, but when lining up defensively, he can be that starter at first base. Now, Gallo may end up playing some first. They will mix and match plenty, but notable that Gallo was in left today with Kirilov at first base. Dude, I saw uh, Josh Winder, who was a week behind the rest of the group, uh, is starting to throw some bullpens. He had some shoulder issues. Uh, what do you know about him? And also, how are the other guys who are coming back off of major injuries like Kenta Maeda, Tyler Malley, et cetera, how are those uh, arms looking? Yeah, I mean, Winder will be okay eventually. Just a minor hiccup there, Declan, although with a pitcher. Is there such a thing as a minor hiccup, right, when talking about just a little bit of shoulder soreness, impingement, whatever the exact medical term is? We'll keep an eye on that. But right now, there is no concern, long-term concern, with Josh Winder on Kenta Maeda. He has looked pretty good, right? I mean, he is a full go. I mean, he would have been okay if they were in a pennant race, a true pennant race on September 20th. He would have come back. So he is good to go in this contract year. Tyler Malley, good to go as well. Picked up a new pitch. Joe Ryan has a new pitch. Now, I love all the talk here. It's like the bingo card. Check it off, right? Pitcher working on a new pitch. Then come, you know, opening day, March 30th or into April, You know, how often are these pitchers throwing that new pitch? That's what's interesting to track. There's always talk in mid-February of a guy adding a new pitch. Come April, May, so on, do they actually use the new pitch? But those are some of the storylines with the pitchers. I checked again. I was curious. I had the update on my Scoop podcast, a new Scoop podcast over the weekend, episode 409. So I checked. Yeah. We've been going on now nearly seven years, Judd. They've yet oh, to kick God. me out of the studio. It's amazing. That's how I'm desperate so I'm you guys so are. I know. Trust me. Yeah, April of 2016 is when we started that bad boy. Wow. So I checked on the possibility of the Twins extending some of these pitchers that are in the final year of their contracts. Sonny Gray, Tyler Malley, Kenta Maeda. So far, nothing but representatives of those guys will be in Fort Myers at different points over the next few weeks. When they are, 
you can presume that at least some initial dialogue will take place. I'm not predicting that any extension will get done anytime real soon, but you can expect actual dialogue to take place before March is over. So, Doogie, let's dive into that because it's an interesting, and look, guys get get hurt, okay? So I'm not trying to say that there's an embarrassment of riches of starting pitching. But there's an interesting succession plan potentially here because there is that group of arms um, that eventually are, I'm sure, expected to contribute. There's now a group of arms that are, I think you could call them not aces by any means, but reliable veterans. So what do you think the succession plan is? And if they're going to pick and choose certain veteran starters to re-up, who do you think that that is? Because like, there's a very good chance they're not going to look at the entire group. And Paddock now has been signed because he was hurt uh, to a multi-year extension. But, you know, when you're looking at Mally and Gray and you're sort of going through that, my guess is they're not all going to stay here long term. How do you think that shakes out? Like, who, who do you think that they prioritize getting deals done with and think to themselves, okay, if something gets done, it's fine. But if it doesn't, we've got eventual succession plans. Well, there are succession plans, right? I mean, Simeon Woods Richardson is a legit big league starting pitcher. Right. Louis Varland, maybe back end, but is a legit major league starting pitcher. Josh Winder, you know, maybe long reliever. He's got starting potential, right? They have guys, Bailey Ober as well, Joe Ryan under team control for multiple more years. Heck, Judd, I wouldn't be shocked if at some point, even though he's under contractual control through 2024, Mm -hmm. if there's some dialogue on the Pablo Lopez front. Mm -hmm. In fact, his representation is currently in Fort Myers. So how about that? That may be... Some initial dialogue takes place on that front. But of the three guys that are free agents after the 23 season, I think we need to see, okay, is Mally truly okay into the season? Is Maeda truly okay into the season? It's a two-way street as well. Sonny Gray has gone on record voicing his frustration about being pulled too early. Now, the numbers in 22 backed up Rocco's approach. Yes. Gray when he had a couple opportunities, it was not great seeing a lineup a third time. But if you go back multiple years, he has had success. So Sonny's like, I've done it before. Too small a sample size in 22. Go on my long-term track record. I can face a lineup a third time. So what I'm getting at is there absolutely is appeal, if you're Sonny Gray, to playing this thing out, to hitting the open market next winter. So it has to be a two-way street. So these guys are looking to get paid. So I don't think any of the three are real easy to get done on a multi-year deal. Doogie, what's the latest on uh, on Brad Hand as well, um, a free agent pitcher that you uh, said the Twins have expressed interest uh, this past winter and also in the past? What's the latest on him? They have not made him an offer, Declan. I checked this morning, figuring that would come up in this back and forth. I checked. Not even a minor league offer. So, yes, have the Twins had some dialogue there? 100%. But it has not gotten to the point of them actually making a firm offer, whether a major league deal or a minor league deal. In fact, I'm pretty sure the Twins are not willing to go on a major league deal. But sure, maybe at some point they offer a minor league contract, but we're just not to that point yet. The Twins have not made, as of this morning, as of February 21st, about a couple hours ago, we're sitting here at 12.12 Central Time recording this. I can tell you, as of 10.15 this morning Central Time, the Twins had not made Brad Hand an offer. Luke Voigt comes off the board. 
a guy that's hit some home runs over the years, not so much last year, but if you go back a couple of years, you know, 20 plus home runs going back a few years. He signed a minor league deal this morning with Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So we talk about Kirilov coming off the wrist surgery. How is he first base depth? Yeah, okay, Gallo can shift over there if need be, but do you really want Joey Gallo at first base for a long stretch? Would it make some sense to tw- for the Twins to bring in somebody else? Well, they were not in on Voight, but I continue to hear that they would welcome Yurli Gurriel, the American League batting champ, former Houston Astro, 2021 American League batting champ. They would welcome him on a minor league deal. So there's still some tire kicking going on on Gurriel. That's because he's good friends with Twins GM Carlos Correa. Because um, Gurriel no denying like, that. Yeah. 38, no, right? Oh, no oh, Scott, oh. Scott, Boris, Scott yeah. Boris wasn't sure. That, that was no joke. Carlos Correa is going to help call shots here. Uh, speaking of guys who are trying to find work, not that it's going to be here, but if I'm not mistaken, Miguel Sano still has not found employment, correct? That is correct. Have you seen what took place with his dad in the Dominican? That's his biological father, correct? Because I saw a correct. story where, where he basically said, we're not close. He didn't raise me. It's too bad, but that's not my dad, in my opinion. So Something along those lines. I did see it, and it's super sad, but it sounds like they're not close. Yeah, so people don't know his biological dad gunned down a woman yeah. outside a restaurant or bar within the last, what, seven to ten days. Killed her. I don't know if he's been caught yet or not. I guess I haven't he's been tracking large. the story the last few days, but I, yeah, I mean, there you go. So they have not even tracked him down yet, but yeah. That's Miguel's biological dad. You know, you consider some of the other baggage with Miguel. Like, he's not getting a major league deal. We know that, right? I mean, after Luke Voigt signs a minor league deal, Miguel Sano is going to have to sign a minor league deal. I just wonder if things just need to calm down a little bit more. Even if he's trying to distance himself from that situation, it's still hovering. He did have that showcase in Tampa a couple weeks ago. There were like six to eight teams that were there. So, you know, some teams wanted to give him a look. I was told he looked okay in that workout. So I imagine he signs a minor league contract at some point. It won't be back with the Twins, that I can tell you. But, yeah, he is he is still out there. The best remaining positional free agent to me is Jerickson Profar. You know, and he's got Boros as his agent, right? So you talk about Carlos Correa, Twins assistant general manager. Oh, you no. Know, is he blowing GM. up Scott's phone? Yeah. No assistant, yeah. dude. GM. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So – you know, is is Carlos blowing up Scott's phone saying, hey, you know, let's get Profar here to Minnesota. That would be an interesting name because, like, does it make sense to have Larnick and Kirilov coming off their injuries be on the opening day 26-man roster, right? Like, could you have Larnick start well, in St. Paul? Would that make some sense? Clearly, Larnick is going to help the Twins at some point in 2023. And let's see how he looks starting with the Grapefruit League games that begin on Saturday. So let's see how Larnick looks here the next few weeks. But I'm just saying, could you make the case to bring in somebody like a Profar then have Larnick start at AAA? So I, I think that there's a fighting chance, Dugues, that um, because of the propensity that this team has had with Falvey to make spring training trades, I think there's still a pretty good chance that Kepler gets moved in spring training and Gallo goes back to right. My concern is Kirloff at first base, not because I don't think he, he can play there, but because of the arm. But um, when you say Gallo and left, like he'd be good there, but I also think he's got a plus arm, right? And so that's sort of wasted a little bit more in left field, not as much in right field. 
I just think that there's a fighting chance if Kepler can get off to a decent spring start and like the shift being gone benefits him that he gets traded. So you could have an opening day outfield, maybe, of Buxton in center, Larnick in left, Gallo in right. But the first base thing is a good point. Yes. No, you could. Although I will tell you what Robbie Grossman signing a couple days ago with Texas that seemingly takes a pursuer off the board. Like Texas had interest in Max Kepler. Maybe they still do. I apologize. I don't have an update since they agreed to terms with Robbie Grossman. But I do know at some point this winter, there was dialogue Texas with the Twins. Uh You know, so that could be one team that you check off the list. But I've mentioned, you know, Miami had interest in Kepler at one point. Tampa, the Yankees, the Padres, although I don't know if the Padres are willing to, you know, add any more money. But, you know, there's definite interest. I mean, the Rockies could use an outfielder. There are teams that could use a Max Kepler type. So, yes, I'm not, you know, ruling it out. But I'm just telling you, the way Rocco spoke in late January at Dunkers, he was just gushing about Max. I just, I truly believe that Rocco wants to manage Max as we start the season. Maybe we have a different conversation come the trade deadline in July. Duke's uh, latest Minnesota Viking scoops. What do you got for us? Well, I mean, we touched on this last Thursday, but Zadarius Smith's house in the Southeast Metro officially hit the market yesterday. So read into that however you would like. I mean, you know, to use the cliche, it's it's the calm before the storm, right? I mean, everybody heads to Indianapolis over the next, you know, six, seven, eight days, fly in Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I mean, I guess one week from today, the 28th, is the official first day. It'll certainly pick up a week from tomorrow, a week from Thursday, so eight, nine, ten days out. But a lot of league people will start heading to Indianapolis as soon as this weekend. That's when a lot of chatter really starts to pick up. But like I checked on, you know, Adam Thielen's situation this morning. We know Adam went on the record at the Super Bowl. Hey, you know, there's there's some dialogue going on. You know, my situation, the cap number of nineteen and a half million dollars. Okay. There's been dialogue, but there's nothing close to any sort of finality on that front. There just there isn't an update. I'd love to tell you there's an update on the Adam Thielen front. As I sit here on you know, Tuesday early afternoon, there just isn't. There eventually will be, but there isn't right now. Do you get the impression, Dugs, um, just from from the, those talks and from your sources, would Adam be willing to take a, uh, a Greenway like pay cut? Because you, you know, I, I mean, Chad took just a pay cut to stay here, um, and you know, it feels like like Chad wasn't from here, but he was certainly, you know, his roots are are here. Uh, and he, he was a guy who said, I'll take less. And then in the season he took less, played a key role. Do you think Adam would be willing to take a pay cut? Or are we talking about a guy where, where the pride is such that, you know, he'll restructure, but it's not going to come at the price of his contract being actually cut? What's your feeling? Yeah, I'll get to that in a sec. How about Chad's daughter, Madden? Well, class of 2026, Providence Academy. Had 60 points in a game the other day. Just picked up a Tennessee offer. She's great. She is off the charts. Well, I mean, her parents are are Chad, and and his wife was was a track star. Correct. But she puts the work in. Yeah, I mean, but she's helped. Good for her. And and it helps to have, you know, the setup she does on the home front and all that to be able to get basketball work in all the time. But she's got an elite work ethic, and she is so, so good. Like, you know, the next page Beckers, essentially. I mean, she's already scored 2,000 
career high school points. So yeah, Madden Greenway, remember that name. Hard to see her choosing the hometown Gophers, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, she'll eventually be able to say she's got every offer in the country, right? South Carolina, Connecticut. But right now she's got a bunch of elite offers, a bunch of high major offers. So yeah, she is just off the charts worth watching if if you're into girls high school basketball. But anyway, like Adam spends a lot of time now in Florida, right? I mean, right. I get it. He's got the roots here. He's got his fingerprints on ETS, the the training facilities here in town with his close friend, his partner, Ryan, right? So, I mean, you know, there are still fingerprints here in town, but he's open-minded to being elsewhere. He absolutely is, right? So, like, give me specific numbers you're alluding to, right? So we talk about the cap yeah. hit, but what's the cash that Adam is due here in 23? Is it 13 or 14 million or 12 million, 11 million? It's not the cap number. The cap number is 19 and a half million, but the actual cash Right. That Adam can earn in 23. Do you have that exact number off the top of your head? I can find it. Okay, so give me that number, Judd. Uh huh. Then tell me what sort of percent pay cut are you alluding to? Because I still think he'd take his chances on the open market, even if it's for approximately the same number that you're thinking of, just out of principle, that he's not married to finishing his career in purple. I just don't get that sense, Judd, that he's married to finishing his career with one team forever indebted in many ways to the Vikings for taking a chance on him in 2013. Right. And an eventual Vikings ring of honor, you know, honoree, right. All that good stuff. And he'll be involved with the Vikings organization. I'm sure post playing career, right. Just doing all sorts of different ambassador type stuff for them. But I think right now in the moment, He's open-minded to being elsewhere. Okay, do you have the number of the yeah. actual cash he's due? 2023, yes. 2023 cash payout for Thielen is $13.4 million with a cap hit of 19.967. Okay, so, so you're saying 13.4 to what? Oh, I mean, they probably want – Yeah, probably. I mean, I would think it would be 50%, right? I mean, I don't yeah. think the Vikings are paying him $10 million yep. in cash. Yes. Or $11 million. Yes. Okay, so you're saying half? So, yeah. like – Six and a half? Yeah. I think he takes his chances on the open market under your scenario. Do, okay. do you see, uh, foresee the Kirk Cousins camp and extension talk or future of Kirk Cousins really picking up here by the time Quasi uh, and everyone gets to the combine in Indianapolis? Well, I think it'll pick up soon thereafter, Declan, that, that the Vikings will meet with his representative, Mike, and start to hash out a potential plan. You know, I mean, I've told you that there are people close to Kirk anticipating some sort of extension. Why wouldn't they, based on the year he had in 23? Yes, I get it, statistically speaking, not quite the numbers he's achieved in years past, but for the most part, in clutch situations, playoff game withstanding, right? Fourth and eight withstanding, but so many chances in the regular season to shine in the clutch, and he did. There is an expectation from multiple people close to Kirk that an extension is coming. So, yeah, those talks, you know, will – well, a meeting at least will take place. I don't know how the talks will then proceed, but there will be some dialogue there, the Kirk camp and the Vikings front office in Indianapolis. So I believe the official kickoff date for free agency is March 15th, Dukes, and I think that the – Well, March 13th, right, for negotiating. Yeah, for the legal camp period. Yeah. So so (laughs) basically they're going to, by that point in time, have to have – I think um, it answers on Kendrick's contract, what their intentions are with uh, Patrick Peterson, who is going to hit the market officially on March 15th. Um, they're going to have to have an idea on Cousins, Thielen, 
So like the next couple of weeks are going to be very intriguing as far as um, potential changes on the roster, because there's no way everybody comes back. They can't. No way. Yeah, no and, way. and it's going to be, you know, I feel like they got by without a lot of big names for sure being affected last March. That, that is almost certainly not going to be the case this time. So like this will be the first substantial changes with uh, Kwesi and Kevin O'Connell in charge. Yeah, I mean, changes are coming. It's just a matter of how many, not if changes are coming. Right. They are coming. So we just need to figure out how many. I mean, heck, Judd, there's a bunch of stuff going on right now in Egan. It just hasn't leaked yet, right? When everybody's, you know, in Indianapolis, that's when chatter will will pick up just because guys are are more available out in, in the public eye. You know, you run into a lot of people. That's just inevitable that that's when the, the chatter will will certainly pick up. But, like, stuff is going on right now behind the scenes. There are conversations being had. Now, you know, some people have asked me, okay, so why exactly does, does Derek Carr get to go visit the Jets and go visit the Saints? So just a reminder, if the Vikings wanted to do one of these guys a favor, like, to me, Jordan Hicks, right? Like, are you really bringing back Jordan Hicks? So if you wanted to make the move on a guy right now, you could. And if you cut a guy right now, then that guy can sign immediately with another team. So the Raiders let go Carr. That's why he's able to sign with a team today if he wanted to. But, like, remember last year, the Vikings eventually let go Michael Pierce, although there was some dialogue about trying to get him to stay, but they ultimately let him go. But if you remember, was that, like, just a day or two before? Like, that wasn't, that wasn't like, this time last year, right? I mean, no. that thing, that thing right. went up until, right, like, the day or two before free agency. I mean, essentially, I mean, you might have the exact timeline better than I, but that was a pretty last second type move. Okay. We're ultimately releasing Michael Pierce. So I wonder if, you know, whoever they end up releasing, I mean, I presume they're going to release somebody like at least one, I think it'll go right up until, you know, 24 to 48 to 72 hours before the official start of free agency. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, final scoops for us, dudes. Got anything Timberwolves, Viking, or anything else related in the bag? Yeah, so Patrick Beverly comes off the board on Monday to the Chicago Bulls. I know there were some conversations internally at Mayo Clinic Square, but in the end, here's the bottom line. In the end, the Wolves never it, – it just it didn't go anywhere. Like, he wasn't coming here. And I'm happy for Bev. That's his hometown. He's talked for a while about playing for his hometown Bulls. So good for him. Chicago still has a chance to get into the play-in. So hopefully he can help propel them into the play-in. Lonzo Ball is now officially out for the season. Mm. You know, they've got some other guards, but I would think he can play 10 to 15 minutes a night. So good for him. They were in the mix for Russell Westbrook with Billy Donovan's connection, but Wes is off to the L.A. Clippers. So now the Bulls said, okay, yeah, we need to let go somebody, but we've got this guy Bradley on our roster. We don't need him. Let's cut him. Let's sign Bev. But for Wolves fans, just know this. Like in the end, I checked last night after he came off the board to Chicago. There just there wasn't any sort of push by the Wolves to bring back Patrick Beverly. I checked again on John Wall today. Was told again, unlikely. Remember, he's got a connection to Tim Connolly from the Wizards. Marquise Watts in the Wolves front office used to work for Clutch, so he knows John Wall real well. So John Wall has a couple connections to the Wolves front office, but. I was told again, unlikely. Will Barton is another guy that's out there. He's got the connection to Connolly, Denver Nuggets, plus Will Barton is from Baltimore. That's where 
Tim Connolly is from. So they have this Baltimore connection, this love connection with that. But I just I don't sense that there's anything really moving on that front. A reminder, the Wolves would have to let go somebody. So does it make sense to let go Austin Rivers to sign Will Barton? Now, if you want to argue, yes, you know, I can listen to you. But right now, I just don't sense the Wolves are thinking along those lines. Plus, Luca Garza remains on a two-way contract. He's only got something like eight to ten games left. And so he's not eligible to play in the playoffs or anything like that. So, like, would you consider letting go Nate Knight to sign Luca Garza to a standard deal? So that's what I'm saying. So if you make a move on somebody, maybe it's just to sign Luca Garza to a standard NBA contract so he can then be eligible for the playoffs. So that's where the Wolves are at on the buyout market. There's still a few days to figure things out. If a guy is on your roster here, it's like March 1st. I mean, there's still a few days. So if the Wolves wanted to make a move, if something shifts, they wanted to make a move on, say, a John Wall, they could still do that in the coming days, and he would be eligible for the playoffs. But just right now, just nothing really hopping on that front. I also reached out to some Wolves people just curious because, like, Chris Finch went to his Florida house. You've got Wolves scattered across the country. Get them back now. The Wolves, get back in town right now. Are they really going to be able to get back here on Wednesday night yeah, or Thursday morning? Now. Hate breaks. Yeah, so. I hate breaks. That's something to look at. I've been curious about the Wild. You know, they play L.A. tonight. Nice to see the Gus Bus is back in net. I hope he's in net every game here on out. You know, finally, the Wild have come to that conclusion that even when Flurry's healthy, let's just keep rolling with, with Gus. But anyway, I was curious because the Wild need to hit the road. Right now they have a, a practice scheduled for in St. Paul at the Tria Rank, 10.30 Wednesday morning. Then yeah. they were going to fly out. Is it Columbus on Thursday? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they were going to try to hop on an airplane. Tonight. Yeah, Wednesday, like at 1 or 2 o'clock. Now, they might still be okay. That window might be okay for them to get out on a charter at 1 or 2 o'clock tomorrow. But, like, right thereafter, it sounds like it is going to be Leave town incredibly night. miserable. So, I really – I don't know. You know, I mentioned, you know, we talked about Joe and Alec being in Fort Myers. They're scheduled to fly back on Thursday. That's the luck on that. Like, Oh, no, no they're going to be stuck in Florida longer? I know. My, my I heart – I believe Hard. for – um, Oh, boy. I wonder oh, what they'll some do. Headaches. It does because Schmidt's Hello, doing Pops. some of the girls' high school hockey hosting on um, Friday. We're going to have problems with that, too. So, yeah, so we might have some logistical stuff to figure out. First world problems. But, yeah, I just I checked with some Wolves people and have not heard back yet. Well, but I'm wondering if they tried to summon guys back on the flights either tonight or tomorrow morning. Like, you're not going to be able to fly into town Wednesday night or any time on Thursday. And then you think about the Charlotte Hornets. So they're playing here on Friday night. Will the Hornets be able to make it to town for that game on Friday? Some things to consider. Friday afternoon. They'll they'll, they'll have to because I bet you can bring that them in late. And Joe and Alec, I I really feel bad I for know. them. Best advice, My heart we'll find them in pots right across the street from the uh ballpark. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner hey i got one more thing dudes but before yep. we go um 
this is near and dear to both of us. And it's really, really sad. And because I don't think there's a ton of interest, we haven't talked about it a bunch, but I think it's worth at least broaching. And I know that you keep track of it pretty closely. What is the future of gopher men's and women's basketball? Like at this point, you know, I mean, is Waylon, we, we all, we all love her and she is great. And I mean, I consider her a friend, but that's been a disaster again. The men's, I mean, I think Ben is fine, but he's not fine in perpetuity. Like, just give me the 10,000-foot view of a program that in moments has been at least very respectable. Absolutely. So let me start on the women's side. They did lose a good player, Nia Holloway, from Eden Prairie High School. She was part of this sensational freshman class. They did lose her to a preseason knee injury, so she has been out for the year. So that's part of the story with the Gophers. They did bring in a capable transfer from North Carolina State. She's from Farmington, Sophie Hart. So she'll be eligible starting next year. Mara Braun from Wyzetta High School is a star. Sensational freshman. Really, this freshman class is going to buy Lindsay at least one more year. But the pressure ramps up big time year five next year for Lindsay. When you think about year two for Mallory Heyer, for Mara Braun, with Nia back, with Amaya Battleback, who has shown some really good stuff, really good passer. And I think there's more to Amaya's game. Like you bring back those players, it's a young starting lineup. So all those girls are expected back. Now the portal is always interesting, but all those girls are expected back. So the pressure ramps up next year for Lindsay big time. I've not heard any buzz whatsoever of Mark Coyle considering a change here after year four. On yep. Ben Johnson, if you look at the buyout, there's a better chance, Judd, you win Powerball this week than Ben Johnson getting fired after year two. Ben Johnson will be back in year three. There is an expectation that all these guys, outside of Taurus Samuels, will be back. You know, the thing is with young guys, they want to play. Well, guess what? These young players are playing, right? So they're going to be back to play Big Ten basketball, high major basketball next year. There is an expectation that Jamison Battle, Dawson Garcia, two guys who can go make money whenever they want to, maybe not in the NBA, but whether it's G League or overseas, those guys can go make money playing basketball. But there's a thought that those guys are going to be back. You bring in Dennis Evans. You bring in Max Christie's brother, the L.A. Laker. His brother, Cam Christie, one of the best players in the state of Illinois. Okay, you have a chance to make a sizable leap next year. But the pressure also ramps up for Ben Johnson in year three. He has to show legitimate progress next year. But I just think with all these guys back, I was at the game on Saturday against Penn State. How brilliant was Pharrell Payne in that game? Ola Joseph got off to a really nice start, right? You see glimpses of what these young guys can do. Braden Carrington was injured for a bit. Sure, He still has a ways to go, but he was Mr. Basketball in the state last year, even though I think Trey Holloman of Creighton should have won the award. But Braden is a very good player. That's not to diminish Braden's accomplishments at Park Center. I just think I would have voted for, for Trey Holloman. But Braden was up there, really accomplished player coming out of Park Center High School. He just hasn't shown us what I think he's capable of yet. But you see it with Ola Joseph and Payne Henley, maybe not so much. They're redshirting this kid that graduated high school early, Betts, from the state of Colorado. So he's got a chance to contribute next year. I'm just saying you can see some glimpses, right? Like no way should they be 14th, 13th, 12th, or 11th next year in the Big Ten. So if they are, 
okay, we can have legitimate conversations about whether it's time to cut the cord on Ben Johnson. But I do think you can absolutely jump to top 10, hopefully top nine or eight in the Big Ten next year with all these guys back. But yeah, Judd, being at the game on Saturday. So here's the situation. A friend of mine on Facebook, Ed. Thank you, Ed, for the tickets. I'm over at Apple Valley High School, okay, for younger son Keaton's basketball tournament. He had games at 8, 10, and noon. So it's after the 10 a.m. game. We've got some time to kill. So I'm on my phone. I look at Facebook. Ed had a post up that was up for over an hour. He's got hundreds upon hundreds of Facebook friends. The post was up for over an hour. Hey, anybody want my four courtside seats for the Gophers game tonight? Plus, I have a parking pass. All yours. You don't need to pay me. Just take them off my hands. Can't make it. I sent him a note because Drew, my older son, has been bugging me to get to a Gopher game this year. So I messaged Ed in the moment. Drew had some basketball games at Wyzetta High School and a middle school earlier in the day. So I knew we were free on Saturday night. I sent him a note. I'm like, Ed, I know I'm late here, but has anybody reached out? Are the tickets still available? He's like, yeah, crickets. You're the first person to reach out. They're all yours. So he's got all these Facebook friends, hundreds of friends. No one cared. And for an hour, the post was up on Saturday. Not one person reached out to him. So we gobble up his tickets. Courtside seats, fantastic seats, right? Great parking pass, lot real close to Williams Arena. We had a blast. In our row, section 117, row two, there were four open seats. Row three right behind us, four open seats. The row behind that, multiple empty seats. One section over, legitimately right at half court, section 118, tons of empty seats. I bet people in the building on Saturday was like maybe 5,500, maybe 6,000. Mm-hmm. I bet they announced something like nine and a half or 10 based on tickets sold. Right. But actual bodies in the building had to be in the 5,500 to 6,000 range when capacity is what, 13 or 14,000 at Williams Arena, something like yeah. that. It's just, it was depressing looking at all the empty seats. And I was thinking about Isaac Asuma from Cherry High School, class of 2024. He is the Gophers' top recruiting priority. Mm-hmm. And he was on his official visit. I've not spoken with Isaac. Maybe I'll track him down, but I'm curious to think, you know, uh, what he thinks of, you know, the barn just being that empty, right? I mean, he's got some options. You know, he's highly touted. Now, playing for your home state matters to him. I think the Gophers have a legit chance to land Isaac Asuma for the class of 2024. But I'm just curious. Maybe I need to track him down over Zoom sometime before the week is over. I'm not going to dra- drive all the way up to the Iron Range just for a quickie interview. But I'll try to check him down via Zoom just to hear his thoughts on you know, how the visit went and specifically that experience on Saturday night seeing a pretty empty Williams Arena. But Thank yeah, you. the future... You know, I think it's okay for the men. I think it's okay for the women. Uh, but pressure is going to ramp up on both fronts if they don't win next year. But I fully expect Ben and Lindsey back next year. All right. Thanks, Dukes, and we'll talk to you again on Thursday. Okay. See you, boys. Bye-bye.